number of cases in Wales is now 199,155 with 5,121 deaths. Across Wales, 771,651 have received a first dose of COVID-19 and 4,573 with the second dose. In Hewell Dar, the Health Board has administered 81,562 vaccinations up until February 10th. That's 39,485 in Carmarthenshire, 24,447 in Pembrokeshire and 14,621 in Ceredigion. Dr Diri Shankar, Incident Director for the COVID-19 Outbreak Response at Public Health Wales, has said We welcome the news that the vaccination programme in Wales carried out by the Welsh Government and the local health boards has reached the significant milestone of 20% of the population having had their first dose of the vaccination. This is a great achievement and is a big step towards ensuring the reduction of serious illness and deaths from the coronavirus. Vaccinating the adult population of Wales to protect people from severe disease is a significant task and the vaccine will take time to reach everyone. The effects of the vaccines may not be seen nationally for some time and everyone, including those who have been vaccinated, must continue to follow the advice on keeping Wales safe. Although the data currently shows that on an all-Wales level the number of cases are reducing and that the incidence is now below 100 cases per 100,000 of the population, the rate in some areas, particularly in North Wales, are still at nearly double that and there have been small increases in others. It is encouraging to see that the numbers of people being treated for coronavirus in our hospitals is reducing but there are still a large number of people who are extremely ill which means that the pressure on services is still very high. Dr Shankar continued saying that all of Wales remains in lockdown. We recognise that complying with the restrictions can be challenging but coronavirus is still active in our communities and and can cause severe illness and death. The reduction in the number of cases does not mean that people can meet people from other households apart from one person for socially distanced exercise as this can cause the virus to spread. As a nation, we have made so many sacrifices throughout the course of the pandemic that we really don't want to squander the gains that have been made in recent weeks. We encourage everyone, whatever their background, socio-demographic and ethnicity, to have the coronavirus vaccine when they are offered it. We also stress the importance of seeking information from a trusted source such as Public Health Wales, the Welsh Government, the local health boards or your GP. I'm Charlie James and you're up to date on Pure West Radio. This is Pure West Radio, live from our studios in Haverford West. Well, a very good evening. This is Pure West Sports on a Monday evening with G&G Builders. Find out more at pembrokeshirebuilders.co.uk. If you are just joining us, you're very welcome. We are live right now on the Pure West Radio Facebook page, and we have got loads to come between now and nine o'clock. Going to be joined by uh, former Narbuth rugby player Clive James to talk rugby and football. He's the dad of Ang Harrod James, who's represented Wales more than 80 times in football. So we'll be talking 
chatting to Clive about both sports. We've also got the former Wales, Celtic, Arsenal and West Ham striker John Hartson joining us before nine o'clock. But let's say a very good evening to Bill Fraser and Gordon. Is the Grand Slam alive, Bill, for Wales? It's still alive, but it's, I think it's out of their reach ultimately. But then you always say I'm grumpy about Wales. So come on, Wales. They, they actually played far better on Saturday than they did the week before. What a take. No, I have to say, Bill, you've, you've been full of the joys of spring in the build-up to the show this evening. So we're very much looking forward to the next hour. And I think mm, it must have been that, that Wales performance <laughs> and young Reese Samit that's put you in a, a good mood this Monday evening. Is it Rizamid, Gordon Tom? Oh, yes, it is. Sorry, yes. <laughs> well, actually, Gordon, good evening to you. And, and you weren't the only person to get get his name slightly mixed up, were you? No, but he's a household name now after this weekend's performance and those two brilliant tries. Um, yeah. I, I, I was told the rest of the Six Nations teams are going to start with 14 against Wales now. <laughs> so I don't know whether that's true or not. Well, I was a bit nervous after watching England in the first 20 minutes, Fraser. They came good in the end to beat uh, Italy. And we're we're going to talk more Six Nations with with Clive very soon. But it was an interesting weekend, wasn't it? No doubt about that. It was. And I think, you know, the first time we should maybe look back on a Wales display on the show with a bit of positivity. And we we, we (laughs) rolled more negatives a lot. But, you know, yes, there was the red card. But I think we saw at least flashes on Saturday of this more enterprising style that was almost promised under Wayne Peebach. And, you know, of course, to play that, you've got to secure the ball at the set piece and the breakdown there to get that sorted too. But there was certainly a lot more promising signs. And remember, you know, that was a Scotland time side that conceded five tries in six games leading into that. And Wales scored four in a game. And, and whatever we've said and whatever misgivings we've had about Pivac so far, the players have held on in two tight finishes and they've played to the end. So they're playing for him, you know, and that's the basis to any side and they're getting wins. So, yeah, England in two weeks in Cardiff and suddenly that's a big opportunity, doesn't it? Yeah, that's going to be an interesting one. Mm. There'll be no fans, of course. The atmosphere won't be as, as usual, but it's, an, it's going to be an important game. Look at Bill laughing away. He really isn't in a good mood. What, what's, what's wrong, Bill? The thing, I mean, the fact that there's no uh, crowd there is going to be a huge letdown for Wales. It's bound to be. Yeah. But, uh, you know, again, it's another challenge for them, and I hope they do well. they still got things, like Fraser says, there's still weaknesses in that side, uh, perhaps through injury, but we've got to look at some of those, I'm sure. And uh, let's hope Mr Pivak can do that. Well, Well, I'll have to say that uh, the Wales pack did really well on Saturday. When you think that the week before, Mm. Scotland absolutely dominated England at Twickenham. And for Wales to go to Murrayfield and put up a forward performance like they did, I, I, it bodes well for in two weeks' time when we play England at the uh, Principality Stadium. Yeah, we'll pick this up with Clive and we'll, we'll look at the state of the Six Nations uh, midway through uh, when we talk to him in, in a few moments. And of course, it's been a, a busy sporting weekend all round. I know Bill and Fraser were up at 4am watching mm. the cricket. Fraser, you were... You were considering a rain dance, weren't you? I don't think there's any rain forecast in Chennai. Uh, Last week on this show, we got it spectacularly wrong. We all predicted either a draw or an England defeat. I think, Fraser, we can safely say at this stage, this is India's win, isn't it? I fancy us to get universally right for tomorrow. Yes, yeah, the test match, I think, is as good as over. And I don't think England are going to get anywhere near that. Um, You know, it's a pitch which has played very, I want to say badly, but certainly erratically since the very first morning. You knew it wasn't going five days. But India have played it better than England, haven't they? You know, and for all the misgivings coming out of the the English media, you saw Ashwin this morning from number eight getting 100. I think it's been quite interesting that the two standout knocks of this match, which have come from Rohit Sharma and then Ashwin, the two centuries, have come with the batsmen playing aggressive. 
You know, it's not a sort of pitch where I think you're going to prod along and, and build a slow, steady hundred on. They've been aggressive. They've used their feet to come down the spin. It's almost trying to take the bounce and the turn out of the equation and the hit out of the rough patches. And, and with risk has come reward for both of them. So, no, India have handled a very difficult pitch better than England have. It was... To, Kevin Peterson came out, and he's quite right. He said a very brave pitch for the Indian groundsman to to prepare because they're one nil down the home Test series, and they lose that toss. Inevitably, they probably would have lost the game. You know, it might not have been as straightforward as that, but it was it was a big risk. And again, it's come off, and we're going now one all into a day night test. So more interesting to come. Bill, yeah, I don't like to correct you, but I certainly didn't say it was a draw or a defeat. I think you and I both said a draw was the most likely outcome, but there was no way that, in, that England could lose the game. With, I mean, I, with such huge, we, uh, we, will, yeah. we will check We will check the minutes. You might play that um, video back, Bill. Yeah. <laughs> you, we, you go back to pleasure. Right? Producer Tom, I think we will yeah. need to check the minutes. I think, actually, I, if, if anyone did, and I don't want to blow my own trumpet, I think you I did. Ended the, you did. I think I said a draw edging towards an England win. No one in their right mind would have said that India could have won that game on the last day. No one, <laughs> including Fraser. He's talking there about his hero, Kevin Peterson. <laughs> For once, I agree with Kevin Peterson. The, the pitch was a disgrace. It was a disgrace for both teams. It wasn't a test match pitch. No pitch should break down on the first morning like that. If that happened anywhere else in the world, the groundsmen would be hauled over the coals and could lose their job for that. Well, let's get to the pitch because it has come in for a lot of criticism. Jonathan Agnew wrote a column on the BBC Sport website saying that this, it, the pitch isn't good enough. I, I don't know, what do we think? Because it's the same for both sides, isn't it? It's not the same for both sides, is it? But that Bill was shaking his head. Yeah, yeah that's why I just want to know. No, it's the, it's the same over the five days for both teams. But all I'm saying is a test match is des, you know designed to try and last four or five days. There was no way that pitch was was going to go five days. Fraser's right. It was both sides. They took a huge risk because they could have lost the toss. But then we're assuming that England would have batted like India did. And we couldn't assume that based on their performance just a day later. We still have to accept that we've got players in there who are not up to it at the moment. Poor old Dan Lawrence, I could cry for him. He's like a rabbit in the headlights at the moment. Uh, Sibley's okay, but he got out stupidly this morning. Rory, whatever his name is, bring in Bristol, bring in uh, Butler. Keep folks as what you keep it, and let's have a batting side that is strong. I'm all for giving people experience, like Lawrence, but not now. He's he shot his boat. It's, it's cruel to keep him in the team. It's very tough, but on the pitch, I don't think we can use it as an excuse no, if our players technically aren't good enough against the Indian spinners, who no. are very good. Fraser? I mean, to have a wider point here, I think we're talking about bringing so-and-so, bringing so-so. It's not going to be that easy this year. We've talked about this 17 tests in the calendar year, possibly 18 in a 12-month period, if you take next January's Sydney test into account, 19 if they reach this World Test Championship final. So they're going to have to rotate all year. They're going to have to let players recuperate. And that could work against them because they don't want to be doing that and not building any momentum. You want to have a settled side going into your big series, don't you? But look, you know, for all the negatives, there have been positives in this. I think the keeping of Ben Stokes have been superb. Folks have been the number one keeper in England for a long, long time. I think it's a ridiculous notion that he's not aggressive enough with a bat, he doesn't have the game-changing um, capabilities, or maybe a Josh Butler or a Johnny Bairstow. I think you can get Butler or Bairstow, possibly both, into the side, depending on number 11, and keep Ben folks in there, because his keeping has been magnificent. And Ollie Stone as well, no relation, I don't think, Ben, to you, no offence. but <laughs> no, um, no, good fair. He, good. He bowled, he's a bit quicker than me, actually. Very well mm -hmm. on the first morning, first up, and he bowled a couple of impressive spells since, and unlucky not to get 
a few more wickets. So there are positives here. And look, we still we still won all going to the third test, which is going to be interesting because it's a day-night test as well. And I think Jimmy Anderson will be resting up. I think he'll be back for that one with the ball swinging under lights, won't he? So, um, yeah, no, I agree. It has been a substandard pitch. India have played it better, but there's still all to play for. It's a fascinating yeah. series. I mean, Ashwin had a tremendous century today, but he was dropped three times yes, on another test day. He, those catches would have stuck. If you don't ca- take the catches, that's what happens. You get punished. And India have played really well, and you have to give them full credit. Uh, I know uh, uh, Moeen and Leach took uh, eight wickets between them, but uh, quite costly on the runs front. Mm. But, um, you know... Uh, I'd like to see uh, Anderson come back for the next test as well. I know they rested him probably because of his age. He can't take five days test match, uh, consecutive uh, matches, but I'm sure he'll come back and um, a number of the other players that you have mentioned and they'll put up a good fight in the next test. And, um, you know, we'll see how it goes then. And it'll be on a different wicket as well then, Bill. Yeah, yeah, and I, yeah I can understand Teresa's point about resting bit, um, people like... Um, Broad and Anderson, but the others yeah. you seem to be playing. This isn't an important series. They've got to win it. Yeah, this will give no, them a chance. Yeah. If they win it three-one, yeah. they get into the World Championship. Yeah, I, I, this I, is I, a, apart from the Australians. This is the most important yeah. one. I, I, it's, it's time we started now to play our best team for this next game. So we got a chance of yeah. winning. Selection is difficult. Keep those, and we're not. We haven't got a chance. I think Selection, there seems to be yeah. a lot of complexities going these bio, bio bubbles. Isn't That's it? the problem. We're a lot yeah. coming out of the camp that um, certain players have been rested or taken out because of this. Some are maybe mentally struggling. I know Joffre Arch has spoken about it because of this bubble thing. So we, it's a complex situation. But I think I will say, Test cricket is, is really. We talk about how sports been affecting the pandemic. It's getting brilliant exposure at the moment, isn't it? You know, perhaps yeah. being in India, we we used to seeing these big occasions in India where maybe there isn't a lot of people in the stadium over in the subcontinent, you know, so it hasn't really, the lack of fans, yes, it would be better with an atmosphere, but I don't think it's been affected mm. as much as the other sports and, and it's benefiting no. from it. Mm. I have to say, we've had plenty of long shots of Chennai Beach as well. It looks nice, but it's not Amroth, is it? Let's be honest. <laughs> no. You know, it, 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 they, they zoom out and show us that all the time. But anyway, no, I say, I, whoever's moaning about that pitch in Chennai never went to mine cloth or go away either. <laughs> <laughs> That's the real test. Right, listen, we will take a moment. I think we can safely say India will win the second test. It'll be interesting then what happens as we go to the third. Uh, we will talk to our first guest this evening who is Clive James he's ready and waiting and we'll be with him next on Pure West Sports Hi Bob have you heard the news? Good thanks Chris what's that? We're one of the finalists for Butcher Shop of the Year Oh congratulations to you and the team Chris Wow what's that smell? That's our homemade freshly cooked pies and pasties that we now serve daily in the shop Looks and smells great I'll have a steak and Guinness pie and the usual, please. Prendergast Butchers, Haverford West. Master Butchers, providing the finest quality meats to Pembrokeshire for 70 years. We're open for orders, either in the shop or on our website, prendergastbutchers.co.uk. If you can't get to us, no problem. We're offering a delivery service. Give us a call on 01437 763 387. At Folly Farm, you're guaranteed a fun family day out. Explore the zoo, experience the barn, have fun at the fairground, or just... Just go and play. You get to pick your own adventure and it's never been more affordable. With 15% off day tickets purchased in advance online or the great value annual passes where you only have to visit more than twice to start saving. What better time to experience the excitement that a day at Folly Farm brings? Zoo, barn, fairground, play. Pick your own adventure at Folly Farm. 
the Pure West Radio mobile app from the App Store or Google Play. I hear a lot about sinners. Don't think that I'll be a saint. But I might go down to the river. Cause the way that the sky opens up when we touch it It's making me say That the way you hold me, hold me, hold me, hold me, hold me Feel so holy, 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 holy Oh God Running to the altar like a track star Can't wait and the second Cause the way you hold me, hold me, hold me, hold me, hold me Feel so holy Don't do well with the drama And no, I can't stand it being fake No, 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 no I don't believe in Nirvana But the way that we love in the night gave me life, baby I can't explain it The way you hold me, hold me, hold me, hold me, hold me Cause the way you hold me, hold me, hold me, hold me, hold me Feel so holy They say we're too young and Then the players say don't go crushing Wise men say fools rushing But I don't know They say we're too young and Then the players say don't go crushing Wise men say fools are rushing But I don't know Chance, the rapper First step pleases the father Might be the hardest to take When you come out of the water I'm a believer, my heart is fleshy Life is short with a temper like Joe Pesci They always come and sing your praises Your name is catchy But they don't see you how I see you Parlay and Desi Cross tween tween Hesse Hit the Jets beat When they get messy Go lefty like Lionel Messi Let's take a trip and get the Vespas Or in a jet ski I know the spots that got the best We going next week I wanna honor, wanna honor you Rise groom, I'm my father's child I know when the son takes the first step The father's proud If you make it to the water He'll part the clouds I know he made you a snack like Oscar Proud Suffer it to be so now Gotta clean it up Formalize the union and communion he could trust I know I ain't leaving you like I know he ain't leaving us I know we believe in God and I know God believes in us You hold me, hold me, hold me, hold me, hold me Feel so holy, 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 holy It's Pure West Radio for a Monday evening, 20 past eight. It's Pure West Sport with G&G Builders. I'm Ben Stone. We're off and running. A good chat about the Six Nations, which we're going to continue with right now, and about the cricket. You can give us your comments as well on the Pure West Radio Facebook page, (laughs) hashtag Pure West Sport to get involved. We'll be talking football with John Hartson before nine. But Bill, who are we going to introduce to the show right now? I'm delighted. We've got Clive James on tonight. And delighted for a couple of reasons, Ben. A, he played a lot of rugby. 
and uh, played to a good standard. He has never been afraid to speak his mind, which I like. And the second important thing is that he's the proud dad of a very important lady who plays football. And Clive can tell you, we've spoken about it with several other parents, Clive could tell you equally as well about the commitment that's shown, not only by the girls like Nang Harrod, who's totally committed, but for the parents, like for Clive and his and his wife. And Clive, it's lovely to have you on. Just on that subject of commitment, you'd say you spent... You wouldn't like to say how many hours you spent on the road when she was making a name for herself. Uh, it was a ridiculous amount of hours, you know. We, uh, it's a, basically when she started off in Arsenal, it was like a five hundred and twenty mile round trip, you know, and it was like regular. Um, I can remember the first time uh, I took her. Um, it was the Arsenal trial. She'd had to go through two lots of different things. Uh, I took her all the way to Arsenal, and then as uh, we could pull it in the car park. She said she didn't want to get out the car. <laughs> I know. I know. You could have told me Pont Abraham. Can you? <laughs> <laughs> you know? Um, and it's, it was only by chance, you know. It, it was like she played in the, in this first trial and then um, got selected back for a, like a second trial then. And there were people from all over the world there, like, you know. But um, I think the only reason she got into Arsenal was the fact that. Um, one of the full backs didn't turn up and she was a midfielder and they said, would anybody like to fill in at full back? Because there was, there's still about 26, 27 there at the final trial, you know? And she said, oh, I'll give it a go. And she played, she played well enough then. And then she had a chance in, um, in midfield just towards the end. And she was luckily picked then after that. So it was, but going back to the amount of, Traveling, it was, it's it's been horrendous, you know, in a nice way. Mm. In a nice way, you must yeah. be so proud now. You, you look at all that oh. traveling you did, and she's now won over over eighty caps, eighty three caps for Wales. Yeah, Actually, twenty six yeah. years old is phenomenal. Yeah, yeah, it is. Um, she, basically, she's only missed two internationals since two thousand and thirteen. Wow! So she's she's been so lucky, you know, with the support she's had. And basically, with injury, she's she's not, you know she's hardly ever touching wood now. That's what uh, yeah. Clive, it's quite surreal there to hear you talking about that almost old-fashioned trial system because yeah. obviously women's football has come on a lot in the last decade or so. Yeah. You would have seen firsthand through watching yeah. Aaron just how more professional it is. What are the do you see vast difference now from when she was just a young teenager starting out going to, as you say, trials to what it is now? It's coming a long way and a long way in That's, Wales as well, most importantly. Oh, without a doubt. You know, it, it was, um, we used to go to Aberdeen, you know, and uh, in it was like a Welsh sort of um, Welsh camp type thing. And, and I swear to you, the, um, uh, her local coach, Jerry Rigby, and yeah. Carrie Sack, they used to do. Ten times better coaching than what they did in Wales. I hope they aren't listening. But it, it, and it, and it literally was. Jer- Jerry Rigby was, uh, and both him, him and Carrie were absolutely brilliant. So she had a good grounding of, of coaching. When she w- when she went to Arsenal, then she had the case of uh, stepped up more levels again. But then over the last oh, four or five years, it's 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 gone it's gone crazy. Analysis. Um, you know, feedback and everything that you know what we used to get away with uh, us boys 
uh, there's no chance of anything now. Absolutely but no chance. With that, with that in mind, Claire, you must be sad to see, and I, I dare say, and Harrod is as well, it's something we've spoken about on this show. She had the basis of what she went on to do from playing in Pembrokeshire, starting with Man and Be a Lady. Yeah. She spoke to yeah. Joe Price, who did the same through Hatford West, and others yeah. done the same. There is no Pembrokeshire League there. So now, wow, everything looks a lot rosier at the top end. It actually yeah. doesn't at the bottom. It's a lot more difficult now for young girls to have a stepping stone into football, isn't it? That was sad yeah. to see that. It's it's terrible, you know, and and uh, and Harrod has has got in contact with the uh, Lowry Roberts. She's the new head of Welsh um, Welsh football, and they are changed. They are promised to change the the system of how uh, you know of te- getting teams in and, and creating a um, a better structure to get through, you know to work their way through to. Well, to the top of the pyramid, really, and and it's well overdue. It, it's criminal that we haven't, you know, got nothing done this way. You know, it, it's mm. it's uh, girls and and women's football. You know. Mm. Mm. Well, listen, <coughs> pass on our very best to Ang Harrod. She's welcome on this yes. show as well anytime, Clive, and, and yeah. you've clearly done a great job. It's brilliant to see how well she's yeah. done. I think Thank we you. should talk, Billy. Are you gonna? Are you just gonna come in there? Yeah, I just wanted to ask. I don't want to jump in before Gordon because he had another chance. I only just wondered. I've asked Clive many times. How the hell? Where does she get her playing skills from? Because <laughs> with well, all due yeah. respect, Clive. Well, you know, playing. I must so playing. It's. It, I think the dedication side of it uh, must have been from. Um, from a mother, you know, because yeah. uh, the dedication side, perhaps the other side, maybe a tiny bit of a father, maybe, I don't know. Uh, you, you did train very hard during your play career, Clive. There's no, no jokes about that. I do remember you running around the pitch once and going in for about six pints of lager. But um, you were always yeah. ready on a Saturday afternoon to play for Whitland or for Narbeth. Yeah. I give you credit for that. You were a very useful outside art, Clive. And our mm-hmm. paths crossed, <laughs> crossed on many a Saturday yeah. afternoon. But yeah. we always uh, shared a pint together after the game. Yeah, without a The camaraderie between the players in Pembrokeshire when we played in the old Pembrokeshire League is something that I treasure and I know you do as well because well, now they play in like a West Wales League and yeah. the National League yeah. we've lost that uh, you yeah. know we all knew each other yeah. and we were a family really a rugby yeah. family throughout oh. the county but that seems to have disbanded are you sad about that Clive? Oh yes definitely I, and I don't think we'll get it back on I just I don't I don't know. I, I don't think the, um, the the actual you know the actual love of the game is there. You know it will be for for Wales and everything now, but I I don't think you know across the county or across West Wales that it's there. You know I I just don't think it's there anymore. Um, I mean you, you can sad. never. You can never go back, Clive. No. You know what I mean? You've always got to move no. forward. Mm. So in that in that respect, we'll never see the Pembrokeshire League again. No. But no. thinking outside the box, I would still like to see the counties throughout Wales all go back together because oh. I don't think there's any improvement in the standard of no. playing um, because, because of the National League. Yeah. I, I think that uh, kids will, if you're good enough, you'll always go to whatever level you're you know, good enough yeah. to play at. Yeah. But it really saddens me what days we had yeah. together oh. that the players of today will never ever sort of appreciate or or have. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I can remember, you know, like in Whitland, I my cousins Diane Paul Kirk, you know, and yeah. uh, you know, tremendous characters. Andy White, you know, in Narbeth we had like Garen Bowen, Nigel Bevan. Yeah, still gives me grief to this day. 
Steve Gerrard. Can, can, can I just interrupt a second? He's just come on it, the site and wants <laughs> you to come clean. Her skills come from her godfather. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, there we are. Yeah. Nigel, I've asked the question, mate. <laughs> yeah. That's, yeah. But, we, um, yeah, carry, yeah, carry on, Clive. Yeah. No, I, I, there was tremendous characters, like, you know, like, like say, Nigel and Steve Gerrard and stuff. And, but whenever we see each, each other, like uh, people in Harford West, Whitland, Narbeth, it's fantastic. Mm. Like, you know, you, uh, and the reunions are brilliant. But I don't think we'll get that further down the line. I, I, no. The way it's going, it's so sad, like, you know. It, it, you know. Yeah. And you were, also, you were also, like myself, able to play for the county as well when we all came yeah. together. That's it. You know, again, yeah. that's gone. There's yeah. no county rugby for obvious yeah. reasons because the game's gone professional. Yeah, that, that must right. have enhanced that sense of togetherness as well, having that county side. Yes, definitely, it is. And just just polishing my rose tinted spectacles a minute now. <laughs> Are we going to be talking about the Welsh team? <laughs> well, I think we oh, should yeah. because it was a big Six Nations weekend. There's there's no doubt about that. Um, Clive, what were your thoughts? Two out of two for Wales going into the Six Nations under big pressure. I mean, the margins are so fine, but it's a oh. good start. Fantastic start. Uh, and I, I've been quite critical of the coaching staff till now. And I still don't think they got the actual selection right, in my you know, humble opinion. But I think, crucially for me, I think credit must go to them for the timing of the substitutions. Yeah. You know, Liam uh, Brown coming on when the ref had turned against this in the front row. Yeah. Came on perfect, like, you know. The halfbacks, excellent when they came on. Yeah. And both of them, I, I I thought he was brilliant. And um, Clive, I, do you, Clive, do you think it's a ploy from the other international sides to make sure they go down to fourteen men in the first <laughs> half? Does that help? Uh, well, I don't know. I I played in lots of games, and you must have where fourteen galvanizes. I, yeah, I know it's a different does. level of international, but uh, sometimes fourteen was uh, was harder to play than than fifteen. You know? Yeah, yeah, it you're is, right. Uh, but uh, I think both of them might have passed Wainwright. What do you think? I'm not a big that, that rip towards the end of the game, very underrated uh, I, moment. I like it. Scott, yeah. Scotland on the attack. It was superb in the collision, the way he yeah. held up the boy and yeah. turned over the ball. It was a real critical moment, which, which went pretty much unnoticed amidst the, uh, the Zamet Reese heroics, obviously. And what do you make it? What do you make of Zamet Reese, uh, Clive? Oh, Reese Zamet, the other way, other way around. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. Te- you teed me up there. You, you said it the wrong we, way around. Yeah, it, <laughs> that's the, that's the he, yeah. You, you fed me a googly there. It's like like batting in India. Um, <laughs> Reese Zamet, what, what do you make of him? He he looks like a, a star of the future, doesn't it, he? Yeah, definitely. Um, I, I think it reminded me a bit of Fraser going down the wing in Brooklyn now and again. Maybe I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I thought that too. Yeah, in, in Fraser's dream. There, there was one thing about that Clive, he never had the ball on the wing at that point. <laughs> no. He was only running up and down. Yeah, I know, I know. I, well, I was I was lucky enough to have the Sitaros inside me. Yeah. Um, uh, outside me, sorry. So I, I was yeah, quite lucky. Yeah. Shit it on, like, you know. But yeah. um, I think he's a breath of fresh air, you know. And, and it does give us a bit of an option, to, you know, confidence to get the ball out there, you know. Mm. Um, and... I'd, I'd like to see him, you know, um, with George North, North coming back. Maybe him, him, Zamit and Adams, you know, mm-hmm. back there. Yeah. It gives yeah. us a bit of firepower, like, you know. And play Liam Williams at full back instead of Halfpenny? Well, I, I'm a Halfpenny fan myself. I, I think if we're losing by two points, 
there's you know there's no better but i would, well, I would play yeah we did I lose bigger and we did lose half penny and then yeah. we had trouble boys kicking the ball between the posts i was going to call on clive to come on and take the oh. kick yeah he I tell you one thing, there's only one person I, apart from the main lot, would be Garen I know Bowen. you're going to say, mate. Yeah, Bowen. Yeah, every time. Oh, my God. I can I can remember when I first came from from Whitland to Narberth, and Geraint said to me that um, I could have the kicking duties. Uh, but he said, in the same instance, he said, if I missed two, he'd take over. Yeah. And <laughs> so I, that was most weeks then, Clive, was that? He never missed, I swear to you. <laughs> For two seasons, I don't think I had a kick. And we we also had Andrew Phillips, Andrew Monkton Phillips. Yeah, from, Monkton. Who could also kick. And neither of us, we would just laugh about it. He, if he missed one, he didn't miss another. He was <laughs> no, amazing. Where, but, uh, where do you think, uh, Clive, to, to finish off, where, where do you think this leaves the, the Six Nations? We've had a bit of a mixture around the table of who's going to win it. Uh, should we have a quick recap? Bill, who did you say we're going to win the Six Nations? I said England, and I still yeah. think they're in with a slight chance. Yeah, I, I, well, I, I, I said England at the start as well. I think Gordon and mm. Fraser both backed France. Yeah. I suppose, who do you think is going to win it? And, and do Wales have a chance? Well, I don't think we played that well, and we won too. So if it must be put us in with some sort of chance, like, you know, mm. but I think France might have a bit too much all-round play for, I don't know, I, um, but I, I think we can improve again, you know, I really do. I think if he picks the, the right scrum off, we'll be in with a chance. And who yeah, is the yeah. right scrum off, Clive? Uh, Hardy for me, uh, n- not that he's thing, I, I think he's got to play now instead of Gareth Davis. Um, we, we, we'll talk about it now. What about the box kicking? Bill, Bill loves oh. that in the Welsh. Camp, do you think that's 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 a ploy that most teams are using? Uh, how do you think about keeping the ball in hand and trying to work your way up the field that way instead of kicking it up in the air and losing um, possession? But if 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 they kick to to reclaim, right, it yeah. wouldn't be so bad. It, it it really wouldn't be so bad. It's just this aimless kicking, like you know, and it, it does nothing for the game. It does nothing for any, but you know, really. Uh, and it just gives people free ball, you know. I know a defence when it's on on song is is you know it's really good. You can come up and you can gain twenty, thirty yards. But let's uh, if we have some three quarters and all and get the ball away quickly, it, it's far better than this constant. It, it is needed, but in you know. Yeah. Selectively. I, think, I think Dupont gave a masterclass in it for France yesterday. Every time oh. he lofted it up, you know, it was a 50-50 ball. Yeah. He was giving his players, there was nothing wasted. It was giving his team no. a chance to win it back. But Clive, I just want to finish by touching on something, going back to, I know we've had a bit of Narwith banter there, but going back to local rugby for a second, you say you made that that the move across the Great Divide or how we're, but, you know, for a long time, Narwith and Whitland were, um, were obviously on, on a par and the same yeah. when I was playing for Whitland, we were both in the championship and then obviously you guys spent yeah. more money than us and then you stayed there <laughs> and we did. But, um, you know, these days, players switching between teams, it, it's too common in my opinion yeah. and, and, you know, they, they do it willy-nilly and the permit system and so on. There's no Great Divide as such, but, Back in the days you and Gorn had just spoken about, things were a lot more colloquial. There was local rivalries. There was banter, but there was also some vicious stuff. I think then you could get away with a lot more, you boys, yeah, back in your day as well. But um, what was the reaction when you went from Whitton to Narbeth? Was there animosity? Well, well, both my cousins, Di and Paul Cook, uh, they thought I was crazy because um, yeah. when I played for Willa, you know, Santa Alan Reynolds was playing. And 
Andy White, and we never lost. Like, and uh, I beg to differ there, Clive. Oh yes, we did lose one cup <laughs> final, yeah. But I think that was the only game we lost. Like, and, and it was, yeah. it was, and the, for, for some reason, I was living in Narbeth, and I, I became friendly with a lot of people in Narbeth, and I just one day I just that was enough. But it, what used to um, get me was the fact that uh, I used to keep winning, but I lost every weekend on the drinking. <laughs> Honestly, I they, the Kirks and Andy White and, and they kill uh, you, mate. Donna, they? Yeah, and, but they weren't happy. Uh, and Hog and Hog John Hog, they weren't happy until I was carried out to the club. <laughs> we won every Saturday afternoon, and I can certainly say I lost every Saturday night. Well, Clive, listen, thank you very much for coming on the scene. No I think you successfully passed your audition to be our Six Nations pundit on this show. Oh, no uh, so uh, as the tournament goes on, you are yeah, more than yeah. welcome every week. Uh, pass yeah. our best to Ang Harrod. She's also on the show. Yeah. Can I just Not... say, there's also a message from Ken Davis you've got to read on Facebook. Yeah, there's a lot. Give some advice about your weight. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's why I've got my arms crossed. Yeah. <laughs> Clive, thank you very much for being with us this evening. No problem. Yeah. Your West Good. Great to see you again, Clive. Okay, thanks very much. That interview will stay up on the Facebook page. We are back with Wales International John Hartson joining us next. Do you dream of being out on the road, taking in the sights and sounds of Pembrokeshire? Thanks to Fast Track Driving School, I'm free to venture around the county. And now it's your turn. Fast Track is a triple award-winning driving school covering Pembrokeshire, Carmarthen, Cardigan and Llanelli. If you fancy a change of career in 2021, they are also instructor trainers. They even run driving lessons for those as young as 14. Want to learn something new in the new year? Fast Track it. On Facebook at Fast Track Driving School or call on 0333 772 0801. See you on the road. At KO Carpets, you know quality is assured. We've been your local family-run business for over 40 years. We're widely recognized as Pembrokes' leading supplier of domestic and contract flooring. We provide full end-to-end service, free measures and estimates, free delivery and free fitting by our professional team of highly skilled fitters. Come and see us at Vine Road, Johnston, or drop us an email, sales at kocarpets.com. We're a knockout at flooring. We are Pure West Radio. Too right. 
Radio for a Monday evening, and this is Pure West Sports with G and G Builders. And it's been a great show already this evening. And we are really, really pleased to welcome to Pure West Radio the former Arsenal, West Ham, Celtic, and Wales striker John Hartson, who is joining us live right now. If you're watching on Facebook, you'll be able to see John and his helper Paige, who's with him as well. Hi, John. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Good evening. Well, listen, it's it's really good to have you on. And when we were talking about the fact you were going to come on the show, and um, Gordon, you in particular were, were quick to say, weren't you, that, that you remember John's dad playing football in Pembrokeshire? Yeah, my, my brother used to play for Pembrokeshire, John. His name was Stephen Thomas. And I, I think he played with your dad. You could mention it. Uh, uh, Dixie Hale was the I will do. Uh, Dixie Hale was the manager, and I, I do recollect a little ginger-haired kid running up and down London Road watching his dad play. I assume that must have been you, John. I assume that yes, must have been well, you. Uh, Gordon, uh, uh, yeah, um, I don't know. I think I, I've run up many a side of Welsh League grounds. You know, <laughs> I, used to, I used to go everywhere with my dad. Yeah. Uh, a couple of old funny stories, you know. I, I remember one day that I, I got back into the dressing room and... Um, I took my father's false teeth out of his jacket, and I think <laughs> one of the teams he was he was playing for, and they had a corner, and there there was a sand pit right behind the goals, and I was messing about in the sand pit, and my dad was saying, "Oh, that's my boy over there. He's nice and happy. He's settled. I'm gonna worry about him when I get on with the game." <laughs> We got in the dressing room at the end of the game. It's in my Paul's teeth and everything, you know. But um, <laughs> my dad played for many of our Welsh, see, uh, the, the clubs. He played for the likes of Thanethi when they had a good side in the 70s. And uh, he mentioned his time to me at, at Pembroke. And uh, Mr. Uh, Mr. Uh, Mr. Hales uh, was his manager. Obviously, I knew Des Shanklin very well as well because Des was the um, part of the uh, you know the um, uh, the committee and everything you know and I think he got to the top of his tree I think the president actually Des Shanklin at one stage mm-hmm. yeah yeah Bill, that's yeah. Des Shanklin was someone we I remember we spoke to on on our old Friday night sports show and and, and just an absolute legend wasn't he yes yeah. he was uh, um, go on sorry no go on John Bill Khan I am and I I met you once through Des. Because I think he got you down to speak at a do in Haverford West. And you regaled people with stories about your football in life that was absolutely amazing, you know. And I can oh, tell you, you, Des, who was a dear friend, I spoke at his funeral of him. He was oh. so thrilled that you'd come. And he told us you'd be good. But I think he was pleased that that night. So you must have fond memories of Des. I certainly do. Uh, Des was somebody that um, I had enormous respect for. He was he was such a gentleman, and uh, you can imagine the people that 
you know, asking for shirts and they ask you for memorabilia so that they can take back to their local clubs mm. and, and raise a bit of money, you know, uh, through the raffle and functions, gentlemen's evenings coming up and things. But I looked after Des more than anybody else. I think I give Des more because we used to get two shirts when you play for Wales for the national team. You used to get one to keep and one to swap. Um, but I, I don't think I swapped that many because I knew I was, I was always holding one back for Des, you know. <laughs> but no, he really was. He was a, he was a real nice man and a, and a proper gentleman. And um, you know, during my era, um, he, he was almost on every trip. So obviously, you know, we we got to know each other very well. The away games, international fixtures, and of course in Cardiff, the home games are another. I was very fortunate to win over 50 caps. So um, I got to know Des very well, a real gentleman. Yeah, an absolute legend. Fraser? John, you've touched on your Wales career there. And to be fair, I think you, you played through a few difficult years and then some very very good years as well. And, and you yeah. mentioned there you had over 50 caps. How do you look back on your overall emotions? I, I imagine there's great pride at what you achieved in a Welsh ship in your international career. Is there a sense of regret, John? And I, and I ask this because I had the same conversation with Simon Davis when I interviewed him in the summer about, about that 2004 campaign. So many unbelievable highs in, in those months, yeah. beating Italy and Cardiff, that sort of thing. But then ultimately it fell short at the same time. And I, and I did wonder, were there tinges of regret when you were watching the boys get to Euro 2016 and, and things like that? Does that still hurt, yeah. John? I, I, I think regret is uh, probably the wrong word. I think I think more disappointment. Um, yeah. You know, playing for my country was the biggest achievement I ever did in my life. Um, representing, you know, your heritage, you know, your, your parents, your grandparents, your children, playing in front of 76,000 at the Millennium Stadium, the Principality Stadium now, a Welsh speaker, Shara Kamrag, um, you know, and looking up, my parents must have been so proud you know, to see their son playing in that stadium. Well, I certainly would be if it was my boy, you know. And um, and I played in a good era. We had a wonderful team. And our front three was Hearts and Giggs Bellamy at one yeah. stage, you know. So yeah. um, mm. surrounded with a bit of pace there. Not 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 too much pace <laughs> through the middle, but <laughs> one. Um, and under Sparky, as you know, we, we got to a playoff. We, we we thought we'd got the job done in Moscow on the Saturday evening. We drew yeah, true nil nil Russia. And then we brought them back on the Tuesday night. It was a wonderful occasion. The roof was closed um, and we got beat 1-0. So, listen, ultimately, we, we never got it done. Uh, although there were some fantastic players in the team. You look at the Hughes, Rush, Southall, the era before me, they unfortunately never got it done either. So mm. I think we have to, you know, we have to mm. commend the job that Chris Coleman did with, with the previous group and obviously Ryan Giggs, Robert Page, what these guys have done now, reaching uh, reaching the Euros, which we're all looking forward to in the summer. We should ask you about the Euros. How, how do you see that looking? I mean, it's it's going to be difficult for Wales to improve on 2016. There's no doubt about that. But to, to be in the mix of that tournament, John, what what, what do you make of, of their chances going into to the tournament well, in the summer? First and foremost, you know, we never qualified for a major tournament in over 56 years. And all of a sudden, we've gone back to back, you know, two Euros, 2016, 2020 come 2021 now, it was put back a year. Um, they're talking about it being in one country now mm. rather 
rather than it being all mm. over Europe because of the pandemic yeah. and everything else. Not quite sure yet where it'll be decided, but um, all I know is I'm preparing for Switzerland in Baku, you know, when Azerbaijan, Turkey as well in their national stadium, obviously Baku, Azerbaijan, and then I think it's Italy in the National Olympico Stadium in Rome. That's yeah. the three games we've got coming up. Yeah. You know, Switzerland and Turkey, I don't think they're at a certain level, maybe that they were a few years ago. Um, but Italy are always Italy are always a force. Um, yeah. You know, we've got some good young players. We've done very well. We qualified before Scotland. You know, we, we, we were really, really early in the hat, if you like, Aaron Ramsey's two goals against Hungary. So we, we didn't have to go through a playoff and everything else. We didn't have to make the fans too nervy like we've done over the years to get out of the group of players. One of those good young players, Bill, someone we know very well, um, young Liam Cullen from, from Kilgetty, of course. He's someone we, we really rate in Pembroke, mm. isn't he? Yeah, indeed. John, we, we've got young Liam and I'm hoping he'll make um, a go of it. Can I just ask you a question outside that, Bend and mind a minute? Something always intrigues me. You were a hard man up front. Who was the defender you hated playing? Was there anyone who gave you a rough time and was as tough as you? And who was your best strike partner in all the games that you played? Well, fantastic. Really good questions there. I do a lot of gentlemen's evenings, as you know, we mentioned the one in Haverford West. And I get asked these type of questions all the time. I think the toughest would, would have to be Martin Keogh. Martin Keogh played for Aston Villa, Everton, Arsenal, England. And Martin would say to me in the mornings every day before training, he'd say, right, John, we'll do it for real today. And I'd look at him like that. He'd say, no, we'll train train as if it's a game. And we'd just kick lumps out of each other. We'd have to be separated (laughs) from the teammates. Because he used to say to me, John, I'm not being funny. He said, you will never play against anybody as physical, as quick, as good in the air as me. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> he really backed himself by the way yeah. and, and then he'd say if you can get the better of me this morning he said you can get the better of anybody <laughs> so it was, it, it was fantastic for me in terms of my education at Arsenal going there at 19 you know breaking a transfer record from Luton yeah. George Graham signed me then I went on to work with Arsene Wenger um, so me and Martin although we were roommates uh, and, and it was really good you know for my uh for my mindset and everything else, but uh, it wasn't too good for the physios after the training sessions. Though, the yeah, does he, does he still remind so, you of that? Because you work together on the TV now a bit, don't you? Yeah, does he, does we, he still give you some Yeah, we see each other a bit. Obviously, BT Sport and, and, and Sky and everything else. And um, whenever you, not so much now because of the, the players' lounges are closed now. Um, yeah. But you always catch up and reminisce and you know crack a few jokes and things. And I seen him a couple of weeks ago on Talksport. I went in and Martin's in every Friday. So Martin would be the toughest. Although I'm playing his Tony Adams and Colin Hendry and you know Neil Ruddock and all these guys as well. Um, the best player I played with is two. I can't separate Henrik Larsson at Celtic, the Swedish unbelievable player. And Dennis Bergkamp, of course, you know, mm, and, and I say that, I say that with a heavy heart because I'm leaving out Giggs, I'm leaving out Roy Keane, I'm leaving out Mark Hughes, I'm leaving out Ian Rush, I'm leaving out Paul mm. Merson, I'm leaving out Ian Wright. 
you know, I was really, really, for, I could probably give you two teams if I had to pick my best yeah. 11. Um, but as I said, I couldn't really separate Larson and Bergkamp. I always felt they were on a different, they were on a different sort of level altogether. Yeah. They really were special. So I hope that's a bit of an insight really yeah. as to who was, the, who was the toughest and who was probably the best. But again, you know, I, I could name so many. I don't want to be doing others an injustice. Yeah. But, you know, they, they sort of stood out, if you like. Listen, John, we will let you go in a sec because Paul Page it does look like it's her bedtime. Well, she's so we, okay. Is she, is she okay? <laughs> she's pretending to be tired. I bet she's she, bed till 11 o'clock. I, I bet she's heard the Henry Larson story before. That's what it is. <laughs> what, what, we, what we should ask you, actually, and, and you touched on it there when you talk about Henry Larson, is that um, when you went to Celtic, your, your goal scoring record there was just incredible. And it looked mm. like a club that really. Um, took to your heart and the supporters really loved how you played what was that like to play in that city because I've been to Glasgow and it's such a football city it must have been incredible well it was and uh, you know it's it's two two teams two massive teams global football teams playing in in one city you have Celtic and Rangers two 60,000 all-seater stadiums really a lot of uh, no love lost between the two clubs um you know, so you have to be quite wise in terms of how you live your life in Glasgow. I spent five years at Celtic. I scored over 100 goals for the club, uh, which meant an awful lot to me. I won three t- titles and a couple of Scottish Cups under Martin O'Neill and Gordon Strack and the managers that I had when I was there. But it's an unbelievable football club. I think people who haven't uh, witnessed or even you know been able to experience an old firm derby game I was lucky I played in 23 derby games and scored nine goals against Rangers. So they are the games and the goals that you adhere yourself to the crowd. If you go score against their big rivals, you know, you're going to score the rest of the season. As long as you get one and you win them games. And then the, the football club years, living up in Glasgow, I'm blessed playing in a different country, different culture. Um, and as I said, you know, uh, it's my second home. I live now here in Edinburgh. I've been here for five years. I spent five years at Celtic Football Club. I've been in Edinburgh five years. I'm 45, so that's 10 years. So for a quarter of my life, I've spent up in Scotland. <laughs> Hasn't lost the Welsh twang, twang those chaps, has he? I don't think. No, no, no. not at all. <laughs> best, um, best footballing years of your life, Celtic, John? Well, I don't know. It's probably the most successful in terms of trophies, but mm. going to Arsenal at 19 and then yeah. joining Harry Redknapp, but then at West Ham, and uh, West Ham is a fantastic club. They've just gone fourth, by the way. They've just won tonight again. Yeah, yeah. so for West Ham to be fourth, I know Chelsea can go fourth as well later on when they play Newcastle. Um, but West Ham was a, was a fabulous club, East End of London. You know, I spent two years there. Um, moving around, I had four London clubs, if you include Luton, Arsenal, West Ham, Wimbledon. Mm. But Celtic, again, because of the fan base, because of the history that it's got, and it's a really, really uh, an unbelievable club. I went to Perth last year to the Celtic Supporters Club. There's five Celtic and Rangers Supporters Clubs in South Wales. You know, people wouldn't know that. Okay. They, they, just, they just humongously followed worldwide are Celtic and Rangers. They're two massive, massive clubs 
And it was a real privilege to, to play in front of 60,000 people every week. Yeah. John, it's interesting you mentioned West Ham winning today because I, I saw you tweet mm. that uh, Jesse Lingard's the best signing that West Ham have made <laughs> in terms of making an impact <laughs> for 24 years. Who, who was the previous one? <laughs> well, <laughs> I signed for West Ham 24 years ago yesterday. Oh, right. So Jesse Lingard arrived for Man United on loan. So I just thought to myself, I'll do a Gary Lineker here. This is a Gary Lineker type tweet. <laughs> so I said, Jesse Lingard, I don't think any other player has made such an impact on West Ham since a certain player 24 years ago. <laughs> and my Twitter just gone. To... <laughs> so there we are. I just sent it out there. Oh, it's brilliant. It's interesting you say that, John, because um, I remember Gary Lineker tweeting when Gareth Bale scored a hat-trick in Spain out for Real Madrid, became the first British player to do so since Lineker for Barcelona, I think, back in the 80s, and he's quick to bring that point up. But on a serious note about Gareth Bale, such a talisman for Wales so many years, John, superb in the run to Euro 2016 and way before that. Are you slightly concerned what you're seeing at the moment, struggling to get his form and fitness back and his, his seeming indifference with Mourinho? Does it concern you, his impact? you'll have for us in the summer? Well, I, I, I think I share the view of, of all the Welsh fans and all the Spurs fans, really. Um, he's not had a proper run. He's not been able to play football consistently. Um, he never played for the best part of six to nine months, I believe, at Real Madrid. He fell out with Zinedine Zidane. He spent a lot of time in the stands, spent, spent a lot of the time not even in the squad left out totally. He gets a wonderful move to Spurs. He's coming home. He's come back to the team that he was so successful for under Daniel Levy, uh, under Daniel Levy and, um, and Harry Redknapp initially. Um, I still think that is, is capable of it probably a little bit more inconsistent as, as well, what we used to see him. Um, I would never write him off. Mm. I don't think you can ever write him off just because of the way that he plays. I still think he's very dynamic. Um, he's shown glimpses when he's come on for Spurs at times, especially there at the weekend against Man City. You know, glimpses of what he can do. Mourinho sees him every day. I, I don't. Um, but as I said, he'll be in the squad. Uh, he'll be captain of Wales. He'll lead us into the Euros. And let's hope his form can pick up a little bit between now and the Euros. Sure. Yeah, we but all, very, very difficult yeah. to leave a player like Gareth Bale out. That's 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 going to be a this 